Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We are with PragerU's Will Witts. Thanks for joining us, Will. It's uh, so fun to have you back on. In this season, the kind of liberty that is making us huddle so close together for those who love um, America, love what we're fighting for, liberty in these crazy socialists moving towards communist type of ideologies. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I think that when people are starting to see, hey, there's a gulag in the distance, maybe we should all work together to to fight against this, right? I was talking last night in my speech in, in Fullerton, and I was talking about how, you know, right now it kind of feels like we are watching. We're on the east side of Berlin, and we're watching the people put the wall up, and we're kind of just looking at the wall saying, wow, that's a cool wall, instead of actually knowing what it represents. And I'm hoping that before that wall totally goes up, we have made our way to West Berlin, right, to, to yeah. be free. And I think that there's a lot of problems happening right now in America, but I think that it takes a lot of us, again, just like you're saying, to stick together and say, hey, we're going to fight against this and, and be this group of people. Because as things get worse in America, I think that's a, an even better time for us to start realizing that we have to stick together. We can't all do this alone. That's right. I was uh, talking with someone the other day, actually it was David Barton on our program, and I said there's a lot of rhetoric going on right now about America be splitting between red and blue because there's such a strong divide. And I said because of the Civil War and the strong um, desire for unity, I don't think that would ever happen. And David Barton says, I, he said, I don't think that's uh, beyond reach. And, and I was sharing with him, you mean we're going to become like East and West Berlin? Exactly. Uh, Ronald Reagan telling Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And so maybe in God's grace and with his help and us sharing the truth and love uh, with our, our culture, it's really a cultural war that we're in right now, Will. And um, maybe we can, before the wall gets too tall, <laughs> we, we can stop the building of it. Because right now people are fleeing California. They're fleeing East Berlin. And they're going to West Berlin, Texas, Idaho, Florida, uh, South Dakota, places that they have identified as places of freedom uh, connected with Western culture and ideology. And they want to be protected, especially people with young kids. It's, it's epic what's happening. No, it truly is. I mean, I, I have to agree with, with David Barton. That's who you said it was, right? I have to agree yes. that it, it seems to me like we are getting to a place where we might need a national divorce. What we used to have in America, you know, you used to be maybe the guy next to you is a Democrat, maybe you're a Republican, and even though you guys disagree on things, you have shared values, right? You still, at the end of the day, say America is the greatest country to ever exist. Um, I, I'm glad I live here, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. The founding fathers were all really smart people, right? That's what they used to say. But now, these people next to you, they don't have even the same values as you. They hate America. They hate the history of this country. They hate everything that you love. And that's why I understand why people want to leave California. You know, I, I understand why people might say, we have to stay and fight and we have to stay and fight. But at, at what point does it get it like the government and the people in power in this state and also just the cultural lexicon, not even just the, the politics of it, has, has gotten so sinful and so bureaucratic and so demanding on your spirit that you can no longer do anything to fight against it. I think
think that it's gotten to a point like that in California. I am, I am very worried about this state, and I don't know what happens from here. All I know is that that I am very much looking forward to hopefully leaving very soon. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate to say that, but that's you yeah. know that's how I feel. No, I, I get it. There are people that are staying and fighting, people that are leaving. And, and my goal is to stay and fight before the wall gets too tall. I'm not a very good pole vaulter to get over. <laughs> so, when I, so maybe maybe high jump. No, I'm getting old. I, I better get, get out before I'll the wall toss gets you. too high. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. you might be gone before me. You'll have to pull me. <laughs> pull me on <laughs> yeah, a rope exactly. over. <laughs> yeah. uh, that brings up the point of your new book. And so let's, let's bring up Will's book here. And How to Win Friends and Influence People taking on liberty, uh, excuse me, liberal argument with logic and humor. And so unpack this a little bit for us, Will, because this is what's going on and you're engaging a culture with logic and humor. Yeah, so it's a lot based on the old Dale Carnegie novel of a, of a similar name, and so mine's kind of the political conservative take on on how to talk to people and have those types of conversations. So I first uh, bring up logic because I think that we have lost any sort of logic because no longer are we having debates with people, no longer are we having talks with people, conversations. We are having screaming matches, and we are having whoever can say their facts their facts quicker than the other person and louder than the other person is apparently the winner. Excuse me. And so what I try to do with this book, first of all, is bring back logic and give people a way to actually ask questions and use the facts in a way that's cohesive to having a good conversation. It's been phenomenal. I mean, just my book has been out for about three weeks now, and I have had many people, multiple people sending me messages saying, Will, I loved your book. I read it, and I actually used some of the the facts in your chapter on racism or COVID and the questions that you put, and I was able to change people's minds who I talked to. That is truly the most amazing blessing to, to have people say and so uh, I'm just ecstatic about the how this book is done and, and in terms of the humor element the left wants to destroy comedy and comedy is kind of the last frontier because people understand that when you're laughing together with someone there's usually not a lot of malice if they're both laughing if both people who are having a conversation are together then it's probably a lot of kindredness there you know people are having a good time and so if you can do that and the person disagrees with you but you can make them laugh or be witty or clever in any sort of way then you can really have a, a, a way to make their mind be open to changing people's minds and you know that's that I think is actually the harder part than the logic part, the humor part, because uh, I think that it takes a lot of practice. It takes confidence in what someone else is going to say. How do you make a joke about it or say something witty or clever afterwards? And I think that, though, I, I really do think that that is the pinnacle of being successful at changing minds. I think that we can be, you know, like a like a Ben Shapiro type or a Charlie Kirk type and not really laugh so much with the things we're doing and mostly just, like, talk about the big ideas and stuff, and that does work. But I think that yeah. when you're having individual conversations with people, it is not so much about just, hey, here are all the facts that you need to know and you, you better do this because this is logically right. It's like, make this person your friend and, and have, mm-hmm. have fun with them and, and actually see if you can change their mind on it in individual conversations. Yeah, and it's probably going to be a lot more fruitful in a one-on-one conversation relationally because of the incredible indoctrination of an entire generation, your generation that has been indoctrinated. We were talking before we went live because you just got off of another program, and you were talking about uh, the Lord of the Rings, the new series coming out that's going woke. And so uh, share with the folks a little bit about that. 
Guys, the Lord of the Rings is my favorite thing. If you guys follow me on social media, you'll know that I just did a whole rant about this. It was a 10-minute long rant, just about one sentence that someone put out about the new Lord of the Rings show. So you can tell how passionate I am about it. But essentially, Amazon has come out, and they said, hey, we have a new Lord of the Rings show coming out. Uh, it's it's the biggest show ever. It's a billion-dollar budget, and we are going to make the elves and dwarves and hobbits in the show. I'm really nerding out right now saying this, but I, I, I'm not going to stop. They, they are going to make them all diverse. They're going to make them black or Asian or, or Islander or whatever it is. And it's like, listen, here's the problem with this, okay? The fact that they had to come out and tell us that obviously means that it's not just some benign thing about their race. If it was a benign person being black or being Asian, who cares? I don't care if an elf is, is black or Asian. That doesn't matter to me. Here's what matters. What matters is that you are taking a story that has been around for generations, for generations, that has influenced millions of people, that in my opinion, Lord of the Rings and the, and the works of Tolkien are probably the, the greatest works out of Great Britain. I, I really believe that, that just the way that they have influenced people and impacted society and what they represent, good versus evil, triumphing over over hate and, and malice, even when you have all the odds stacked against you. That is what these stories are about. And you are taking those and turning them into a woke virtue signaling piece of hot garbage. Okay. Instead of focusing on what the story represents, you are turning it to be about something that it is not. Listen, if you want to go and make a, your own fantasy novel or your own fantasy show and, and make it so that it's woke and everyone's gay and black and trans and, and the dwarves of, of you know, three genders, do whatever you want. Okay, That doesn't matter to me. But what matters is that you take something that has existed for so long that people love and you try and destroy it for your own vanity, for your own woke vanity. That is where the problem is. Yeah. And so is is uh, Peter Jackson working together with Amazon in this whole thing? You know, I heard that he might be doing some, like, producing on it, but he's not doing the directing like he did for okay. The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings before. So okay. this is a totally separate entity from that. But I am very surprised that, that the Tolkien estate, you know, who, you know, they've been very careful with, with what they do with their trademark, and they gave it to Amazon for the show. I, that's actually very surprising to me that they did that. I thought that they would have had a little bit more integrity, but I guess after, you know, most of the family's gone, it's it's kind of left in, in, in worse hands, I would say. Right. Well, the younger generation that is moving away from through uh, postmodernism, so we came through the Enlightenment era, we came into modernism, and now it's postmodernism, and that indoctrination has been going on very strongly for 30 years, which is uh, decolonialization. De Basically, America is bad, 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 bad. You know, it's imperialistic, it's capitalistic. And all, all the way through, and it's an agenda, even the divide, is this incredible ag agenda that is socialist in nature, is that you just go into a culture, you identify, okay, we can pit them against each other for race, we can pit them against each other economically, and we can tear it all to the ground so the state can come in and be the hero, and now the state's supreme. And when people look around, it, I mean, isn't it something, Will? First of all, an encouraging note is seeing the stadiums filled with college kids Shoulder to shoulder, thousands, 50,000 is so encouraging to me. It's just like, yes, a, a brief moment of uh, sanity coming back. And then, ironically, satire, like you said, humor, satire is a part of all cultural wars uh, throughout history. And the satire now is this new 
let's go Brandon movement that started in the most unusual way. It, it's, uh, I was in the gym the other day and it was coming up and, and it was a uh, closed caption was on. So this guy was telling me just <laughs> what he thought about this whole let's go Brandon thing. And I just thought you can't make this up. Like it happened just in a r strange, organic, weird way. And now it becomes the mantra for an, an entire country. What do you think about that, Will? Yeah, well, listen, there's a there's a huge, huge flock of people who have these conservative values or don't even have these really conservative values, but just value freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. And they are starting to to really get ticked off at everything that they are seeing. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we can look back and laugh and say, hey, these people screaming FJB and and let's go Brandon and everything and say, yeah, that's pretty comical to see. But we live in a sick country. We live in a sick country that this is what is happening now at all of our sports games, you know, that that people are so upset and this is what it's taken to. I mean, the, just the, the, the average life for many Americans, especially in blue states, is is going downhill in so many different ways. I mean, yeah. I've seen it. I, I just was I just got back from a three week book tour. Right. And I went every single day in New City, went to, I think, like 20 different states or something like that. I mean, I, I was all over the place and I had seen just how places in, in New York City, how it was affected, how it was affected in Texas. How it was in Arizona, in rural Mississippi, in West Virginia. I went to all these different places in Florida. And saw just how this this administration and how this culture has affected Americans right now. And I can tell you that basically every single person I talk to is feeling the exact same way. Their dollar doesn't go exactly where they want it to. Their ideas that they have aren't being shared because of censorship. And everyone is feeling demoralized about what is going to happen in the future. And that's a really sad place that we are in America. So I totally get it why people are coming out and, and saying this is sports games and, and saying, let's go, Brandon. It's hilarious. But I think that it's time that we do a lot more than that, that we do more than just going to sports games and, and, and cheering this. And we actually try and make some changes in, in what we're seeing. And, and I, I pray that we can get something done. Amen. Uh, well, what I really see happening with that in the satire of the, the national sentiment percolating through satire to the top is that people are, I think, at first thinking Biden's just, oh, he's a bad leader. He doesn't know how to get out, out of Afghanistan. He doesn't know what to do with the southern border. He doesn't no, but I think you can say that it's just poor leadership. Like, at its best, it's poor leadership. At its worst, this is the progressives' left's agenda. This is full-blown their agenda. The taxation, the inflation, the open borders, that's their policy. They have no desire to close the border. Um, getting out of other countries in such a debacle uh, that took place there in Afghanistan, that this is... It's, in a sense, a backhanded blessing or gift to a nation that thinks they want utopia, they want a socialist government, they want this progressive uh, AOC's tax the rich dress at the gala. They want this, the younger generation specifically, they want this and I'm like, okay, this is what it feels like, this is what it looks like, this is the pain of it, this is the sorrow of it, this is the financial devastation. And now um, with the uh, whole supply chain being, you know, no, the progressive left can't do anything well as far as management goes. And they never could. And I grew up through the era of Jimmy Carter. And it's like this deja vu going back to this whole experience. It, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, you're talking about bad leadership. I think it goes beyond that. I think what they are doing is evil. I think that yeah. not just Joe Biden himself, but I think the entire administration and the people who are his his handlers are evil. Right. I mean, look at look at his record on on immigration and refugees in this country in 1975 during the Saigon crisis when he was a senator in Delaware. What did he say about about refugees? He said, why are we letting these refugees in from from Vietnam? We haven't vetted these people. Now, what is he doing now? He's letting in the Afghan refugees before he is bringing back American citizens. How can you say that that is not evil? Some of these Afghan refugees are rapists and criminals and you are bringing them in before you are bringing back American citizens. That is truly remarkably evil. There is really no other way around it, because especially when maybe you used to be a little bit more honest back in the day. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, okay? These leftists, I'll say, I think that you really did believe that. Every single union in America was against illegal immigration. And now what? Now it's undocumented migrants. It is the, the civil rights issue of our time. And they're all lying for virtue signaling woke points. And, and that's what it's really come down to. I mean, it is it is more than bad leadership. It is people who understand that the problems that, that they inflict on the rest of this country do not affect them. Because illegal immigrants aren't moving into Nancy Pelosi's neighborhood. Climate change isn't affecting uh, people in Washington, D.C. Like, like they say that we need to be all worried about. And they're buying beachfront property. I mean, all these different issues, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. to them. What they're doing is truly evil in what I think is kind of their final play to to have mass control over everything we do. And I think they've done it with safety. And I think they've made us think that we have to live incredibly comfortable lives with no sort of risk or passion. And I think that because of that, that conditioning, we are in a, a very bad place in America right now, especially when our leadership, even the people who are on our side, the Republicans too, I mean, are, yeah. are bereft of any sort of backbone. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the whole swamp is so corrupt and that everybody is owned by some special interest group that uh, it, it takes the backbone out of all these politicians because they owe everybody. So they have to yeah. move through this. That's why Donald Trump was such a threat to all of them, because he didn't need anything. He had his own wealth. And, um, and so when we, we look at this, I think that, uh, you know, this, Charlie Kirk was here a while back and he said, this is really going to be a 10 to 15 year transition of this cultural war. And that might mean three to four voting cycles and people to feel the pain of this and for us to engage if we don't, if the state doesn't become a martial state like what's going on in Australia. It's unbelievable, isn't it? What's happening in Australia? You would think these laid back people down under, they're now like Nazis. Yeah, mate. It's going pretty bad, yeah? Yeah, a lot of restrictions, mate. Yeah, I mean, but this is kind of the great lie that we've been told, okay? The great lie is that we are too civilized for totalitarianism. I think that people think because they can order food at their house to get to them on, a, on an app and because they can watch porn every single day and go on and swipe for, for their relationships and everything's online and social media, you can connect with anyone around the world, they think totalitarianism can't happen, right? We are far mm. too civilized and technologically advanced for something like this to happen. But this is exactly the plan. This is exactly why we are seeing the amount of government control in America and Australia and the West as we are. Because yeah. just like I said, it's about safety and, and comfortability. 
people don't want to give any of that up. You know, B.F. Skinner, who was a famous psychiatrist in the 1960s, he did experiments on rats where he did negative reinforcement to try and elicit a, a behavior. And he found that, yeah, negatively, they won't do it for a little bit, but then they'll eventually go turn back to that behavior. But when you use positive reinforcement on people, on, on these rats, they always listen to the behavior that you wanted them to do. This is exactly what we are seeing in America today. People have gotten so used to this positive feedback loop of sinfulness and, and immorality and, and the, the, the bad things that we are doing because it actually gives them woke virtue signaling points and it gives them points on their social media with likes and, and, and things of that nature that it makes it so that people aren't living these risky, dangerous, brave lives to do amazing things. And so then when they see someone going outside of the norm, they are incredibly scared of that and want to cancel that person. So it, it seems to me like all of these things are really connected. You know, it, it's easy to kind of look at, at one thing and say, oh, that's bad and, and that's bad and, and that's kind of good. And, and But when you take them all together, all it really does is breed a society that is so built on safety and and risk aversion that you are going to be ripe for being controlled because you are already being controlled through the positive reinforcement that has been put on you in all these different sectors of your life already. Yeah. Now, Whit, you because you just went on a 30-city tour and in maybe 20 states, were you exposed to not only conservative people, people that love liberty, but also Christians. And so let's talk about, you know, that those those are the people that are huddling together, people that love America and they're for liberty. They might be whatever. And then you have conservative people that have grown up with these values. And then you have Christians that are primarily, or I should say, um, unlike liberal Christians, those who are conservative. What do you see as you took the temperature of America? Earlier you said these are the three things that people are, are upset about. But what do you see that could be encouraging as we kind of wind down here at the end and have some hope? Our hope's in the Lord. Our hope is in uh, our liberty to exercise it until they take it away, uh, like they are in Australia. Um, let's, let's hear some, uh, some good stories. There is no hope, okay? Run for the hills, everyone. It's over. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. No. Uh, listen, I, I, like I said, I went around to all these different places, and I feel like I'm sure that you would feel this way potentially, and, and Rob McCoy definitely going around so many places. I have the very unique life that I get to meet so many amazing, incredible people all the time. It truly is the, the greatest blessing in my life, and especially in so many different locations, so many people with different stories and, and struggles and triumphs, all sorts of things. I mean, truly, I, I have heard so many different things from so many different people, and that is why in my speeches, you guys will see, I talk so much about individualism versus mm -hmm. society and how we have to put our faith in individuals and not as like a greater good type of society deal because I've met so many individuals and every single person, despite having things that they agree with with me, maybe disagree, are incredibly unique. And and so many of them are, are they fear God, they, they read the Bible. I mean, they are amazing Christian people as well. I just really hope that all of them realize before it's too late that, that we have to do something now. And, and something has to be done or, or everything that, that we hold dear is lost. Luckily, some places in America have more time than others, for sure, places like Florida and Idaho and, and Arizona. But places like California, I just, I just pray that those Christians, the amazing people that I have met around this place, realize what is at stake here. Yeah, and that's the thing that we're trying to be a voice to the Christians in America, 
to wake up and because Christians have wanted to stay out of the messiness of politics, they say, hey, it's messy. Um, I don't want to, I always feel like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. And the reality is, is unless we engage our culture at every strata, right, every level of engagement, um, you lose your influence. And so we have to engage. And unless Jesus is running for office, you're always going to be voting for a lesser evil, correct? I mean, it's, right. uh, and, and so we have to really engage. And so that's our, our encouragement, and I know your encouragement, especially to the younger generation, because you're an anomaly wit. You're an anomaly to, to you're what, 22, 23? 25 now, actually. Oh, 25, so, okay, 25. So maybe I'm not so much of an anomaly. No, you are <laughs> still, I mean, at 25, you're an anomaly in that, the rest of your age group, and, and I'm sure that you're surrounded by a lot of conservative people your age now because of what you're doing and the, people, the circles you run in, but uh, really as far as culturally across America, most people that are 25, why don't you describe for people so that they can really have a sense of that because some parents sent their kids away to college and then they got them back as new people. Describe the typical American that's 25 years old, indoctrinated through public education. What, what are they thinking right now, Whit? Well, the typical American who's 25 years old is $100,000 in debt. 70% of millennials are living paycheck to paycheck, and they believe that someone is supposed to take care of them. I think there's a lot of problems with my generation. I think that we spend too much money on things like avocado toast. I think that our parents raised us to believe that we are all winners. But I also think that in some ways we have an America that is turned against us, an America that is, that is no longer working for us in the way that uh, I think it did for our parents and our grandparents. And I, I think that... It is very hard for us millennials, especially with the way that, that, that our generation was raised in that sense where everyone gets a trophy and we feel like, like we deserve everything and entitlement and then, and then the world doesn't work that way and it's even working less that way than ever before and it's very hard for our generation. So I totally get it. I understand why people would go to the left. I get it. Right. If you have all this debt and you don't know what you're going to do with your life because you're unpassionate, because you don't know what you're supposed to do, because the world is not giving you answers on meaning. It's only giving you answers in sin, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and leftism tells you, I'll give you these things for free and I will give you a new religion. That is leftism. That is this wokeness. That is that is the climate change movement. That is Malthusianism. That is all of this. I understand why people are going to be that way. And so when we're talking about conservative Christian people who see essentially religious leftists, and when I say religious leftists, I mean their religion of leftism Mm -hmm. who are young, it's very important that we are trying to have individual conversations with these people because these people just don't know where they are. They have no idea. They are lost in the woods. And and if someone would just come in and grab their hand and say, hey, come this way. I've been here before and I know how to get out. We can lead every single one of them out. But, you know, don't expect that you're going to go into the woods and, and have 10 arms and grab as many people at once. Don't worry about that. It is about finding one person and and trying to lead them out because you have no idea how that person will then impact someone else and come back into the woods later and and bring someone else out themselves. So I have a lot of hope, but it's only I only have hope if the good people of America stand up and do something. If good people do nothing, then it's all over. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to a place to thank you for being with us, Will Witt, with us, and very proud of you, Will, just uh, uh, being a father, and just uh, what a blessing to your parents. Uh, you're a credit to the human race, to God's kingdom, and to America. Thanks for being a gift, my friend. 
To the human race, that's a new one. That, that's, that's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. You bet. God bless. Hey, hey, thanks everybody for joining us. Light in the darkness, I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time's trouble, I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 I will keep my heart seeking.